my name is Emily Lehman, and this is In Layman's Terms podcast. Are you ready to get started? Go for it. All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back to In Layman's Terms. This is Emily. I'm your host. Today, I have one of my good friends from home. Her name is Bailey. She's going to be joining us today. Bailey has experienced addiction in her family and loss and trauma in those ways. And Lexi has started... Oh my God, I did not mean to say that. I'm so sorry. I didn't. It's okay. It's okay. It's all good. We have Lexi. Lexi is Bailey's late sister. Uh, I was friends with Lexi. We, I would say, are pretty good family friends at this point. At this point, uh, we sp- have spent Thanksgivings together and all kinds of stuff. And um, I, during my journey or struggles with addiction uh bailey's sister lexi was kind of in my group of friends i would say or we kind of ran and that that's fair to say that's fair to say same crowd um and so i am just today we're going to talk to bailey about kind of how she overcame um living and having a sister who struggled with such a strong addiction what it's like to lose a family member to addiction and kind of how to get your life back on track and find the positives and i know bailey um you really turned to church and you found a lot of things with god and are very spiritual and during my recovery i became also very spiritual. And I think that's so important. So I'm excited to hear all the things you have to share with me. Awesome. I'm excited to be here, Emily. Um, So Bailey, Lexi struggled with, it was, it was a combination of things. I think with Lexi, it definitely started as alcohol and um, marijuana and then moved into um, pills. Her, her, favorite poison I'd say was Xanax and um was willing to do whatever it took to get that um I can probably say she came and got some from my house I'm sure at some point yeah because yeah, I also struggled with Xanax as well um where I feel like in Ohio I don't like I just feel like it's so bad and I'm sure it's bad it's bad everywhere but I don't know if it's just like Maybe it was the people we were surrounding ourselves with, or like, I don't know. I just feel like that is so, so common. Yeah. So that was definitely her thing, which also presented problems because I had been diagnosed with depression and anxiety at a really early age. So I was on medications. And so very often she would steal those from me. And then I would be left with crippling anxiety and no way to cope with that. So yeah, that's really hard that yeah things happen to go missing when you live with an addict don't they Again, yeah say that that's happened to me before as well so what would you was lex living with you at, was she living with your mom at the time i can't remember yeah so she she, she came and went um oh, i, I like i myself struggled with with addiction, um, mm-hmm. with alcohol. And yeah. so after my freshman year of college, I got a DUI, um, okay. at the age of 20, which let's do the math. I was not of legal drinking age and, okay. um, I went to jail for eight days. So I moved back home. So I lived at home and I was, so I was 20 when I moved back home. So Lexus was 16 and she was living at home. And then left as soon as she turned 18 and started like this back and forth of she would move out, she'd move back in, she'd move back out. And, um, 
So it was kind of a mess with this back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. If she's in the house and she's not, and when she's there, like we know where she is, which is great because she's there, but it was hard yeah. because she was bringing things into the house and like just this yo-yo. Mm-hmm. It's a vicious cycle. It's hard because it's like, okay, I know she's here. I can see her. She's safe. But it's like, okay, you're bringing this like fucking hurricane with you. And so it's like a give and take and it's hard. And it's like, do I let you, st- do, do you get to keep staying here and you get to keep behaving like this? Or like, where are we going to set a boundary here? Which is yeah, so hard to do. Right. And when there's one person with an addiction and another person in the house and a mom that can't control it, it becomes even more of a challenge. Um, oh, absolutely. Like, putting the like, well, mine's not as bad as yours. So like, I can tell you what to do. And that, that wasn't healthy either. Yeah. That's hard. Yeah. It's like when no one, it's like, you need like a a sound like this and another person to be like, okay, you do this, you go over here and no, no. And like all these things. So definitely having an addict in the house is very, very challenging. I have been the addict in the house and I have also had an addict in my house. Um, so I've been on both sides of the spectrum and it's, it's very interesting. Like, you know, I, at one point, um, had had, I don't want to say his name. (laughs) Um, someone that I used to date, uh, came over to my apartment once and like, I could tell that he was so high and so messed up or whatever. And I'm like, I had a friend over at the time. I was like, don't like leave him alone. Like I need you to watch like everything. Like do not let him go in my bathroom. Like don't let him touch anything. Don't let him take anything. Like, so it's like, you always like you're watching, like you have the eyes. Yeah. And when you also need to sleep and go to work and take care of yourself. Um, it becomes really hard to have those eyes. Like I, I remember at one stage with Lexi living at home with me, um, like I would have a, a travel bag that I would take into the bathroom with me when I showered, I would have all of my money. I would have my car keys. I would have my prescriptions and I'd have my pot. And I would take everything everything. that you didn't want stolen. I would (laughs) take it. And I mean, jewelry, I I would put it all into a waterproof bag and I would take it into the shower with me because bringing it into the bathroom wasn't enough. enough. It wasn't enough because I mean, she was sneaky and like would find a way to like crack the door just the tiniest bit. And like, I mean, when you want something, you'll do whatever it takes to get it. Oh, of course. Like, I mean, I remember at one point, like, like I'm in the shower and I like thought I heard something and I creep my head out. And I mean, she had like a like stick to <laughs> pull the bag across the floor. And I was like, oh, okay. So oh, we're at this point, like, I can we're see at this doing point. That. that's funny, but like, it, it's not funny. I'm not meaning, I'm but not like, it's, that in a, I mean, that's the, that's curious. the extent that that's it went to. That you'll go yeah. through. Like you're, yeah. you're going to get sick. I'm feeling like dog shit. Like, where am I going to get my next fix? Oh, okay. I'm going to like do whatever I can. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I was living with someone and they were addicted to substance abuse or substances as well. And like, you know, it's always like, oh, I'm going to borrow. Oh, can I borrow money from you? Oh, I'm going to ask my grandparents for this. Oh, I'm going to go over here and do this. So it's like, you're always like, searching for the next like like who you're gonna like butter up for like your next like who am I gonna manipulate I guess is the right word Mm -hmm. 
who am I going to manipulate next and have them feel sorry for me and trick them into this? And it's just such a cycle. I'm, I'm sure you dealt with Lexi, like just the ongoing, like the phone calls and the, you're not helping me with this. And I'm sure that takes like such a toll on you as a person and you want to help her and you want to do everything you can because she's your sister. But how, how do you, how did you draw a line or even set boundaries in those types of situations? So people who are listening, who might have a sibling or a family member who are going through this, they can maybe try to figure out how to navigate that for themselves. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, um, I struggled with this. I struggled a lot and, um, I let it, I let it consume me to be completely honest. Like I let it consume me and I felt, I I mean, I, yeah, it, it, it ate me up and I fell right into it. And, um, I mean, it took me losing a job, um, to realize that I, I needed to set some boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I walked out in the middle of a shift because my sister needed me and, yeah. um, she always needed me, right? Like mm-hmm. anytime there was a crisis, I was needed. And being the oldest sibling, I, and, and I mean, she's my sister. I loved her so much. I was, I, I, I died to self to, to help her, mm-hmm. um, until it got to a point where I realized I couldn't keep, I couldn't keep that up. Um, it was, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. Um, I was drinking more than ever to numb it. Um, numb yourself. And, um, I had to set some clear boundaries for me. That looked like I, I said, like, I can't talk to you between these hours. For me, it looked like setting parameters on the hours that I could get phone calls from her. Um, that's a good start. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was a start for me. Um, and when that wasn't respected, um, it got to a point where I actually had to stop all communication with her, um, which was probably the hardest thing that I've ever done. Um, I, I cut all communication after, you know, asking her to respect the boundaries, but an addict doesn't know what boundaries are. No. Um, so I, I had to take a very, very strong stance and cutting all communication with her. And, um, and how long did that last? I cut communication with her, um, in October of 2015. So that was right after her 21st birthday. I cut communication with her. Um, then she went to jail in January or February of 2016. Um, and I did not talk to her until she got out, which was in September of 2016. So it was, it was close to a year that, um, I didn't have communication with her. Um, I knew through my family that she was safe. You know, she was in jail and, you know, she was safe while she was there. Yeah, of course. Um, it's crazy to think got, that sometimes yeah. this place for addicts is jail. I went right. through that with my like, aunt, my aunt Lori. Like it is like, it's so weird to say, but it is like the safest place for them sometimes. And they yeah. actually kind of ha- get somewhat of a structure back. Right. Doing things. Yeah. So I, I mean, that was that was a long time to not talk to my sister. Like I have two sisters, but Lexus was always like my, we were always, we were always together. Like we were, we were closer than Logan and I were. Um, Cause Logan chose a different path in life that didn't involve the, the drinking and the smoking and, yeah. um, and being wild. Um, so Lexus wild and I cow. were super close. We were super close. Um, so cutting those ties was really hard. Um, 
I bet. But when she got out, you know, it was like, let's, let's try this again. And we made amends and I, mm-hmm. you know, told her I forgave her and that I wanted to be there. I just needed to protect myself with that. And, um, I, I'm glad that we were able to do that. Yeah. I think that's so important. That's so special. And just being able to forgive and be open to that forgiveness from her, because, you know, being an addict, she, she, she's not out to ruin your life and make your life a living hell, you know, like she's not meaning, she was never meaning to do that. She was just sick. And that's like, those are the side effects, you know, and it's, and it's so hard. So I'm glad that you guys were able to fix that and heal that for you guys to continue on with your relationships. That's so important. Yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that we were able to do that. Um, because six weeks after she got out of jail and we made amends, she died. So, um, like looking back, I'm like very thankful that, you know, I, I did what I needed to, to protect myself in that time and to get some, you know, traction where I was going and, you know, getting a job. Um, Mm -hmm. and then it's like, that it was also known that we needed to make amends because had she, had we not, you know, yeah. she would have yeah. died with the last thing I had said, like, I can't talk to you. And well, and I, I, can't, I, I feel like knowing you, you, I feel like that would just kill you. That would eat you up. I yeah. mean, that would kill anyone. I mean, that's just, yeah. you don't want that to be the last thing. So how lucky are you that you got to, to say that yeah. it's so special and, that you know that she for, she forgives you and that she was with yeah. you every day and she guides you and she helps you and she's our little angel. Yeah. But, uh, that's so, so important. And some people don't get, don't get that chance. And I feel like, and obviously you didn't, you don't know that's going to happen. You like, no. you would never, you don't ever fucking want that to happen. You don't ever know. So I guess maybe our listeners can take away from this is, Tell the people that you love them, that you love them. And if they need, you're looking for your forgiveness and you're willing to forgive them and you can, you should. And see if you can start over on those new leafs because you just, that's the shitty part about addiction. You never yeah. know what tomorrow is going to bring. You never, ever know. And yeah. you, it's just uh, such a vicious cycle. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's one thing that I definitely have taken away from this is like, tell the people around you that you love them, tell them that you're proud of them, Um, like share, Um, your words are important, your words matter, and they go a long way. And you never know when those words could be the last thing that you say to someone. Um, So I I try to carry that with me now, like in Mm -hmm. being really intentional with the words that I speak, and how I treat others. Yeah, I think that's so important. And that's, you know, it reminds me of something my dad um, growing up would always say, never go to bed angry. Like when we would argue or like get in arguments or whatever, like as a kid, he would always come into my room the night before and like say goodnight and I love you, blah, blah. And he's like, my parents taught me never to go to bed angry at someone because you never know what tomorrow might bring. And that has always really, really stuck with me. Um, Mm -hmm. That just tomorrow is not, 
And even if you're an addict or not, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. I could get hit by a fucking bus tomorrow. You know, like, you know, you never know what the universe is going to give you. So just always be open. I think to forgiveness is very important for you and just as a healing and and a whole for you to come to terms with anything that you've been dealing with feels good. You can like, let, let that go. I feel like it, it weighs so heavily on you that it's good to have that release if, and when you're ready for it. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. You can't rush it and you can't force it. Like my, my grief process was really messy. And, um, like when she initially died, Mm -hmm. I turned more to alcohol and drugs than I ever had. Like suddenly like my, my, you know, anxiety medication doses was not as needed. It was, it was daily. And Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then like, there was another one added in. Um, it's, like going through that kind of loss, like you don't know how to cope. And the only thing I knew was I don't want to feel this. So I want to be nice. So I numbed it. Like, I, I don't remember much of her funeral. Like a year ago, I looked at my mom and I was like, who talked at her funeral? She was like, Oh, that was your sister. Like your sister spoke. It's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. What, what, what did Logan say? She's like, you guys wrote it together, Bailey. And I said, Oh, cool. I'm I'm glad to know I wrote something. No, I can totally relate to the living in a fog, being in a haze, but you're there, you're present. Yeah. You're not not there. Right. And like it all, it all worked in the timing that it was supposed to, like, you can't rush the healing, but like, I mean, it's now, it's been almost four and a half years and it, it took a while. So Lexus died in November of 16. And, um, those next two years were pretty messy for me. Um, but things started to shift in the end of 18. Like I, I started to started to realize that I couldn't keep living my life the way I was. Um, I I think I hit my version of a rock bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, that looked like not wanting to be alive. Like I, I, um, I ended up having to take a week off of work in December of 18 and like met with a therapist every day. And I was like, I, I just don't want to be alive. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't keep living this way. I don't want to be here. Uh, my life is not, my life has no purpose. My life has no meaning. Yeah, I'm and I'm, like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm having no will to live, but at least you knew you were feeling like that. And you took steps to seek help and you did the right thing. So that's very important. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, I just remember very clearly, I was like, all right, God, if you're real, I got to know. Cause I, I just, I can't keep living like this. I, yeah. I can't, I can't, I can't keep doing it. No, I totally, I feel like, yeah, I woke up one day, like literally at the Euclid house and I had like the same relevation at the Euclid house. I'm like, I cannot, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this isn't me. Like, where did like all of this time go? Like all of these, like, I'm just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Like what happened? Like, where did all this? And then something just switched. And I was just like, 
I cannot fucking live like this. I'm like, this yeah. is just like not how it's supposed to be. I don't want to live like that. I'm tired of feeling like this, just like feeling so bad and just like, it's crazy. Yeah. So it was, it was a pretty clear switch too. Like, mm-hmm. and I mean, the last time I, I mean, the last time I blacked out was on new year's Eve of 2018. And I woke up that next morning and I was like, this isn't fun. Like this just isn't fun. And there's more to life than, than yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, six days later on January 6th, I, I went to church for the first time by myself. And I was like, why am I here? Why, like, why is this, why did I feel like I had to come here? And like, that was the day that I was like, Oh, like, I'm going to give my life to Jesus and I'm going to turn it into a different direction. It was such a clear, like surrender. And I mean, I left, Beautiful. I left church and I went yeah. to the gym and I joined a gym, which yeah, I, I you've not... been running so much. Like I remember <laughs> you doing the marathons and stuff and you were running, yeah. like doing all these things. Yeah. You so, girl. <laughs> I mean, that's, but that's what it looked like. It was like, I can't keep living the way that I have been. And and there's something more here. So like, for me, that looked like joining the gym. It looked like joining a small group. It looked like getting involved in serving. Um, I meant throwing out the alcohol because I, that's what I needed to do in that moment. There was no like half in between. Um, it was, I needed that gone. Um, and I think the slower surrender for me was like the pot because I was like, I can keep doing this, but, but After a while, I was like, I actually can't keep doing this for me. It was like, I I need to lay it down. But that also looks like working with a a doctor to get off of all the medicine, because Mm -hmm. I mean, at the age of 12, I was told like, oh, you're sick. You're going to be on medicine your whole life. Um, And then I was like, actually, no, like, I don't have to be, I I, I don't have to, like, I I have Jesus and he's all I need. So like, I don't want to be on this. Um, So it looks like a, it was a very like slow process, but like that's something that I needed to do. And I'm not saying that it's for everyone because some people absolutely do need to be on medicine. But for me, totally. um, I, I believed that I was fully healed from, from that illness. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, it was a slow surrender. And then there was also like the, like sleeping around because that was an addiction too. Sure, um, absolutely. Like, it was all wrapped up in a big old bubble for me. So like, I mean, I joke, but in the fall of 18, like I was sleeping around with a lot of people. And, um, then all of a sudden in January, I was like, Oh wait, like none of this is okay. Um, like, why am I behaving like this? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. And suddenly like, I felt like literal chains were falling off of me. Like the chains that have been placed on me saying like, you are this, you are that. It was like, actually, no, I'm free of it. Um, and so empowering, I mean, the day, the day that I decided to follow Jesus, I called my mom. Um, and I said, what are you doing? She said, just, you know, doing the dishes and laundry. Like what's going on. I said, I need you to come over right now. Mm -hmm. She was like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Um, she dropped every, I mean, she was in the middle of like cooking dinner, doing laundry and the dishes. And she's like, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Cause that's just the person my mom is. Also, because in the past that call had been, I'm going to kill myself. 
that mm-hmm. call had been like, I don't want to be alive. Yeah. Um, so when she showed up at my apartment and like, I'm sitting at the kitchen table, like, just like calm, like I had a glass of water on one end for myself and a glass of water on the other end for herself. And she was like, kind of like, okay, where's the mental breakdown? Like, where's she's like, like where's she's like, so off? what's, what's, what's going on here? And I was like, well, mom, like Jesus died for me. And she was just like, oh, we're having this talk. Oh, she's like this. And so it was, it was a moment for her though, where she realized like, for years, she had been praying for Lexus to come into that space and for Lexus to be healed and for Lexus to be able to share her story. And what she realized in that moment was actually all along, I was praying for you because you can now live to share not only your story, but her story. And exactly. that like, you don't have to stay in those bond, like those chains of bondage. You don't have to stay in the space where you feel like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. Like there is another way. Um, but it involves surrendering all of you and like trusting that everything will be okay. Um, yeah. So that was a really, um, that was a really powerful moment for my mom and I, where she realized like that all along, she thought she'd been praying for Alexis. She'd been praying for me and it was an answered prayer for her. And like that now I, I get to talk about my sister that I love, I love, love, love so much. And she's no longer in pain and and she gets to live through you now and you get to carry her with you and share her story with so many others. And yeah, obviously I'm sure you see her and her beautiful children. Yeah. They look so like I see her in them a lot. Oh my gosh. They look so much like her. It's kind of scary. It's, it's hard though, because like they're in Florida, they're in Florida now. And so we don't get to see them often, um, which is hard yeah. because that's like the lifeline to her. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I, I often like, I see her in the small things I see her in. I mean, I see her in butterflies. Um, yeah. I see her in like, you know, when people like laugh, but it's like a cackle, like uh-huh. a cackle that like, you're like, oh my gosh, that person, like. I, I see her in that, like, mm-hmm. um, even sometimes in my own laughter, like, not yeah. like, I like, not like my, <laughs> but like when like I'm like, you're like, laugh, like belly, belly laughing, laughing. Mm-hmm. um, like the kiddos that I live with right now, like I, I, I was cracking up last weekend and they're like, that's a really weird laugh. And I was like, that was my sister's my sister. laugh. Yeah. Um, like she, she came out and it's, it's normally like the laughter that I'm just like, when I don't care about anything, like mm-hmm. when I'm just like, I want to say almost in my most childlike state um, is when I, is when I feel her there. Um, No, that makes so much sense. Cause she was so bright and bubbly and just like such a lively human. I mean, she was Mm -hmm. just, hi, I'm here. Like, you know, just so bright and just so much energy and just has like the most beautiful personality. She was, she was bigger than life. Like she, she was life. She was life. Was really hard because like even in her most like ill state she was still like she put on this facade and mm-hmm. like you thought she was okay but then like to those that really knew her saw the pain within that um absolutely and i think that that's an important thing to note about addiction too is that like on the outside looking in 
it may look like it may not look like what you see in movies. It may not look like that person on the side of the street that's strung out. It may look like they're yeah. having a lot of fun. It may yeah, look like they're the life of the party next to you at work. I mean, it can be your neighbor. It's like addiction does not mm-hmm. fucking discriminate. It sees no right. color. It see like it is one like it can get anyone. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize. And yeah, that's why. I am excited to really just like open up this dialogue with people and people who have suffered from addictions and people who have had addiction in their family. And it's just, no one really talks about it. I feel like, or it's not as talked about as much as it should be. I feel like there's not enough like supportive communities around it, even like, so for you, what types of like community groups did you join? Like after losing a sister, where did you find that extra support? I guess. Yeah. Well, the church that I go to has a grief support group, which is really phenomenal. Um, I like, but you can't necessarily go into that and not be ready to go deep. Um, like, like it's not just to show up and be like, my sister died. Yeah, Yeah. It's like you're opening wounds and sharing like the parts that suck. Um, I also worked last summer with a grief recovery therapist, um, which was really like, it was a grief recovery program. Um, and we worked through a lot of really big things. We worked through all, I I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but a history loss graph. Um, I, I I made a, I made a graph of every single loss I've ever suffered in my entire life. Really? Oh my God. Um, And like, there were different lines to show like the, the extent that it took. So like Lexus, that line was like the tallest line. Whereas like my kitten dying when I was six years old was like a smaller line, but it was still a loss. Still a line, like less. It was, it was right. So like, I worked with this person. Um, I worked through a wonderful, wonderful lady. Um, her name was Charity Hip, and we, um, we worked through a lot of a lot of that loss, and um, then did different exercises um, uh, that involved writing a letter to Lexus, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. addressing all the things. Um, so I did a history loss graph, but then I also did a relationship graph. And that was a, my specific graph of just my relationship with Lexus and the different ups and downs with that. So whereas the other graph was like just lines one way, this the graph with Lexus was like ups and downs. So like there was like, I remember very clearly we went to Steak and Shake one night and like we had so much fun. And like, that was like an up, like, when she did my hair this one time, like that was an up. Mm-hmm. Um, but like then when she was missing for two weeks, that was a down. I mean, she she went to California, I think. Was it California or Vegas? She was gone for two weeks. I remember that much. Yeah, I remember. Um, I remember that. I remember hearing snippets through the vine. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, oh, she's she's really missing. Um, yeah. So I that for me, like that was part of my healing journey. Um, and I also recognize I couldn't have done it alone. Like inviting community into it was a really, really big piece for me. Um, and sharing all of the really vulnerable things and even like the stuff I had done and what I had said. And like, I had to work through forgiving myself as well. Um, Cause I held a lot of shame and guilt for like not stepping into certain spaces. Um And so I had to work through, I had to work through forgiveness, not only to Lexus, but for myself. And, um, 
and, and bringing others alongside me in it. That also looked like getting a therapist. Um, and like, for me, that looked like getting a Christian therapist because all things that I do are rooted in my identity in Christ. So that meant I needed someone that could speak truth into me in that aspect. Um, and through that, we've also been able to go back to like, well, why, why is addiction a part of my family? Like, why, why did I turn to numbing? Like what happened earlier in my life that led to that? And perhaps what happened in Lexi's life? Um, and then doing some like extensive healing in that, like I wrote a letter to five-year-old Bailey and told her the things that I wish that she had heard. Um, so it's not just like moving through it, it's dealing with it. And for me, that also looked like going back and um, opening up the wounds so that they could turn to scars. So kind of like, like when you get injured, like they say, like, you have to let it breathe. Like I had to literally go and I had to expose these spots in my life that I just kind of put a bandaid on and been like, we're good. Like we're going to just leave it there. Yeah, and like, we'll leave it. It's, it's fine. Keep it. Moving. Right. That looked like, I, I mean, I, I had to actually go back and I had to rip them all open and say like, all right, here's my heart. Here's where I've been. And I want to heal from this. Um, so literally like exposing it um, to the world, to whoever that may be like, yeah, whoever will and, listen. Right. I mean, that also looked like for me, like journaling and I don't know, maybe starting to write a book and to, you know, share the, share the icky, icky spaces, um, and the healing that God's doing through that now. No, I think writing a book is, would be so cool. That's like one of my end goals, uh, with this podcast is to one day in hopes maybe like have a book. Um, and I think, I don't know. There's just something so therapeutic about like writing your story down, you know, like when when I lived at the Euclid house, dude, I was like so fucking miserable and everyone like thought I was like thriving and I was so happy and I was like living this great life. But like I was drowning, like suffocating on the inside. I'm like, like, I had no one like I'm just like living this like vicious cycle and it's just like okay where are we gonna get pills from today or oh what are we doing and it's just like uh, okay like and it's just like sometimes I would just like fall asleep and it would just feel like I was like literally falling into dead ass a black hole with like no Mm -hmm. like no way to get out so I Mm -hmm. think it's important to just remind people that no matter how dark it gets and like how dirty it can be, there is always going to be a light at the end of the tunnel, no matter how big or small, but there is that light that's there that you can reach for if you're willing to crawl out of whatever hole you might have fallen into. Yeah. But you have, you have to fight for it too. Oh, absolutely. I remember like my addiction, I was almost done graduating college. And I was like, I think my last semester and my addiction at this point was in fucking full force. And I just remember being like, why am I even like, and I graduated and I went to school, but a part of me was like, I'm just going to quit. I, my parents would have never fucking allowed me to, and they would have beat my ass, but like, 
it was, it was getting to that point where it's like, okay, I'm like going to throw in the towel and everything. And I feel like had I done that, there would have been like no coming back. <laughs> yeah. From that. Yeah. I mean, I get that too. Like I, I, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's by the grace of God that I graduated college. Like I was not, really, yeah, it's I was like, not, I was not there, but I did. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I was living with someone who wasn't going to school. He dropped out of school. Like, so there was no, like, no positive, like you should keep doing this. It was all just like, mm, like meh, whatever. And I'm so glad that I finished and I like stuck it out, but like it was, it's like, you just get in these ruts where it's like, you just want to give up on everything that you're doing to numb numb yourself and to be in that state. What do you think, I guess your biggest lesson is like, what have you learned? What have you taken, I guess, from losing Lexi and how have you taken that and just really been able to like get up every day? And I know that like, she is now your purpose and you are Mm -hmm. living for her, but I guess maybe for others who have lost a friend or a sibling or a spouse, what can you tell them? to, I don't want to say like ease their pain because it never goes away. It's always going to be an open wound, I guess, maybe help them navigate just like the day to days or like just even getting out of bed. Yeah. That's a really good question. And I think the biggest thing I would say is just take that first step, just take that first step. Um, because you can't, drive a car that's not moving. So you have to take that first step because it'll keep going, but you have to take that first step. Um, and it does, it does get easier. It doesn't get, it doesn't go away, but with time it does get easier and the days don't feel as dark. Um, but you have to, you have to take that step and you have to look to the future. You can't look behind. Um, and for me, that also looks like looking up. Um, because my purpose isn't in the here and now my purpose is in eternity with, with God. Um, Mm -hmm. but that that's what gets me going. That's what gets me up in the morning, knowing that like my hope is not in today. My hope is not in tomorrow. My hope is not in yesterday. It is in eternity. And I have to take that one step. Um, I mean, in the beginning, that one step looked like getting out of bed. Then it, then it turned to, I'm going to brush my teeth, you know, slowly, but surely that turned into go run a mile. And yeah. I remember seeing that, that you were running and I was like, fuck yes. I was like, good for you. You ran like a fuck. Was it a half or a full marathon? I, yeah, no, I mean, I ran in 2019, I ran four half marathons and then yeah. 2020, my I hips ran never, my hips yeah. literally just cracked as I'm, I'm in this chair. I would die. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, last year I ran a full marathon. Actually, it was really sweet. It was on, um, what have been, what would have been Lexus's 26th birthday. I ran 26.2 miles. So yeah. So like, I mean, every, every single, beautiful, like every single step I was reminded of like, why am I doing this? And it's to, it was to honor her. And I don't know if I would have done it had it not been that it fell on that specific day. So, wow. Like, and if that's I, like not a fucking sign that like she's with you every day, that yeah. is so amazing. Wow. I'm like literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's like, she's, 
she's in my heart forever and always um, I will I will live um I'll live like today's the last day and yeah I will live in freedom um and not be in bondage to the things that had been placed on me in the past um that's not what that's not what God wants for any of us that's it's not and Lexi um, wants you to be happy too. Yeah. No, she doesn't and, want to see you sad. I mean, I often now think like, gosh, what would she like? What is she thinking right now? I, I, you know, I was, I was raised Jewish. Like I was, I, I was. Oh my I had God. A <laughs> I fucking forgot. I had a bat mitzvah. I had a bat mitzvah when I was 13 years old. And, yes. Wait, you know, I totally forgot. Yeah. And now I, now I work for a church and I love Jesus and my life has so yeah. much more meaning and purpose. Peace. Peace is the other thing. I, I mean, what I'm doing with my life right now, like doesn't make sense to people. I mean, I, I sold, I, I donated all of my stuff and I moved into a guest bedroom of a family that I barely knew. And I have so much peace. I don't know where I'm going after this next place. Like, I don't, it's okay because I know that God has a plan and a purpose for me and it goes far beyond what I could have for myself. And I know that that's the same for people that might be listening today that you may be stuck in a really dark place right now, but you don't have to stay there and you just have to surrender and take one step. Yep. Take one One step. step. Yeah. One day at a time, one step at a time. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's one hour at a time, but it's taking that one step and yeah and looking ahead, not behind. So I guess that would be my biggest, my biggest thing to leave with your listeners, just to look ahead, look up and to trust. I could not agree more. Thank you so much for taking the time with me today, Bailey. It's been so long. I feel like since we've caught up. So this was amazing. I really appreciate it. You're so very welcome. And I wish you absolute nothing but blessings as you step into this new space for yourself um, that, you know, every, every, you know, interview, you get to go back and reflect and, you know, think like, what would I do differently and to grow from it? Because they're all, they're all learning experiences. Everything is that we- big learning. We'll be learning for everyone. So, well, thank you so much. It was so You're good welcome. to talk to you. I really appreciate yeah. it. Everything's good. Yeah. Yeah. I wish you nothing but the best luck with all that, Emily. Thank you, Bailey. You're welcome. All right. right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on this episode. And hopefully we could put this lesson into layman's terms. See you guys next episode.